0: Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. So, as Graham alluded to and has said, in fact, this is the last of the reshaped messages. And during the series, um, you'll remember right at the beginning in January, um, this is week 13, actually, of this, this uh, series, um, we, we looked at the fact that God's plan is always to reshape. God's plan is to reshape. And no matter how messed up your life, if you follow Christ, if you love God, if you're trusting him with your future, even if it goes wrong, he doesn't chuck the clay away. Do you remember that? Right at the beginning. He doesn't chuck it away. In some environments, you are worthless if you don't deliver. With God, he just says, there's something in you that I'm going to reshape. And so nobody, but nobody is wasted in God's kingdom. What God does is with care, he puts you back together, causes the reshaping. Why? Because he's got something to put into your life. And sometimes we haven't got the strength to hold our shape. Maybe we're I'm starting to preach that message all over again from the beginning of January. But there's so much truth in that, that God takes damaged clay and refines it and works it through and produces an amazing uh, outcome. And that's what he's doing with us. And that's, this series has been about that. It's about how does God shape us and change us and cause us to be the very people he wants us to be. And then we went through a number of different topics in the series. And, and then last week, we ended up with uh, reshaped to love the church. The Ecclesia, the gathered, called out. Remember that? If you didn't hear any of these messages, I'd encourage you to go on to listen to the podcast. I think there might even be some of the videos um, on Facebook as well that you can see. Uh, but we are called and, and reshaped to love the church. Too many people use the church or, or just take the bits they like and then they criticize the bits they don't like. I'm not talking about you lot you guys are cool. But uh, it can be the case that that actually the church gets absolutely shot to bits by people with agendas because they've got their own thing. And if it doesn't give them what they want, then they'll do as much damage to it as they feel happy to do. They may not even realize they're doing damage to it. But God has called us to love the church. Jesus said, I've given my life for the church. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ Love the church. So everything in between, the reshaping, the forming, the calling out, the grouping together in a public place, the assembly of people. And remember that Athenian assembly was over 6,000 people on a regular basis. When God chose that word ecclesia, he didn't choose it for no obvious reason. It's because what the people understood by that word was something of a huge part of community called out and gathered to work through stuff that's important for that community. And so we're called out. And size is, you know, it's not about being small, by the way. Kingdom isn't reserved for smallness. Kingdom is huge. You know, they estimate one third of the world's population would, would say or identify with being Christian in one way, shape or form. And the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, it says in Scripture. Uh, you know, there are thousands of people daily coming to faith around the world. And I've got the privilege in some respects in other um, dynamics of my life to see that. And it is incredible. And some of you would know that story. But so today, what's all this building to? It's building to, reshaped to reveal the kingdom of God. Because that's why Jesus came. Some people say, oh, Jesus came. He came to die on the cross. Now, he did die on the cross. And he knew that was part of the call. But he didn't come to die on the cross. He came to announce the kingdom of God. And it was required that he give his life on the cross so that you and I could enter that kingdom. That's why he came. He came, and you may not agree with me, but I'll show you in Scripture in a minute. God has done that. And so Jesus knew he had to make the main thing the main thing. And too many of us are caught up in all of life's hassles and problems. And we don't even think about the kingdom of God. We just think, oh, can I get to church on time on Sunday? And that's our biggest battle of the week sometimes. Could I get to the prayer meeting? You know, could I? Could I? Can I have one of these new Love is Flyers? Is it possible that everybody in the church by next Sunday could have given one of these out? Is it possible? Is it possible that you've got a friend that would actually... You know, my daughter says her friends think this is so cool. They can't believe that a church would produce something like this. It's so amazing. They love it. They love it. This is in a local... Sixth form school, they love it. They think this is amazing. They want to come to find... It's upside down. They want to come to find out what this is all about. They are wanting to come. You are stopping your friends from wanting to come to BCC because you are not inviting them. There are people out there just waiting for somebody to invite them. And if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? It's ours. We own it. So do the survey. Invite your friends in. We want to tell community what they think. We want to be fully community connected. So we allow distractions to dominate our thinking. Now look at this. Greg McKeon, a writer. This was a New York Times bestseller. and He wrote a book called Essentialism. And if you've ever read it, you know what I'm talking about. This is a brilliant book. I'm reading it at the moment. um, Because there's so much going on in life. You've got to make sure you do the right things. And the right things need to be done. And if you don't watch it, you'll do all the wrong things, or the things that are not the real priorities, and you'll be busy, 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 getting stressed out, and actually not doing a good job of a lot of what you're doing, because you're busy doing things that are not the priority. But what is the priority? And by the way, I'm not saying work is the priority. Family is a priority. But some aspects, not all aspects, but key aspects are priorities. You can get more done if you do less. We know that, but we don't like to face that reality. And Greg McKeown says this, if you don't prioritise your life, someone else will. Someone else will take over your life and fill it with all the stuff that you never planned to do, and you're ending up doing it. Because someone has criticised something, or they've given you a a carrot to get involved in something, or some kind of motivation, or some kind of pressure. You cannot overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. (laughs) Right? You may be thinking, how is that possible? The truth is so much of what we do isn't worth anything because we allow ourselves to get caught up in stuff and I'm I'm saying no to things these days because I know that there are certain things that I'm very, 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 very good at and there are some things I'm no good at. And if I try and do what I'm no good at and don't make sure that the things I am good at, the things that God's called me to do and be, I will be bad at everything, right? So, um, now, we'll, we'll unpack this. This is, um, in a sense, a public domain book, but we're going to look at this this morning. So why reveal the kingdom of God? Because Jesus made this his focus. This is his priority. It's what I said at the beginning. Luke four forty three says, But he, Jesus, replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. That's why he was sent. The cross was the way to enable people to enter the kingdom of God. You know, If you don't have a healthy church, do you know this? The church is a primary vehicle for the kingdom of God. It's not the only one, but it is a primary vehicle. That's why you've got to love the church. If you don't love the church, you're doing damage to it. I'm telling you, you are damaging it. If you don't love it, you're damaging it because loving the church is saying, I'm going to do the right thing. No matter what else is going on, I'm going to do the right thing. Jesus replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too because that is why I was sent. He could have just gone off and done anything. He had the power of God in his hands. He could have just done this and done that and done this and done that. No, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. But we don't even have that anywhere on our list of important things at times because we, we allow other things to get in the way. We, we get other stuff that blocks us out so why reveal the kingdom Matthew 6 33 Shegen scripture I'm now I've got this image Shagan of a of a man at six o'clock in the morning in the darkness running around uh, what did he say I, I'm, I'm not making this up he just said in his underpants <laughs> praising God but that's where it happens right we're not doing that publicly that's not going to be a new thing. We're not going to encourage prayer meetings to be radical new experiences. <laughs> right, we're not going there. But I loved it. Didn't you love it? The heart. And by the way, when I was with pregnant, i was just thinking there could be something going on here. <laughs> no, 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 it's not Preggen, it's I, I. If God says something to me, I'll tell people. And he told me God's about to do a significant thing. I couldn't forget. Well, what significant? I had no idea. But there was, it was true, wasn't it? It was a really significant thing. But it's brilliant that he puts in his testimony. And I didn't, know, I didn't even know he was doing the offering this morning. I didn't. Our team just organized these things for us. But, um, and his verse was, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I just want to open it up. You did a brilliant job sharing the testimony about putting the kingdom of God first. You see, there are so many worries in our life. And the verses before this in Matthew 6 all talk about the worries of what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. In other words, what's life? How am I going to get through life? And if you're a worrier, you've got to stop worrying. You've got to start praying and drawing the kingdom of God into your situation. You know, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. So if you want to know, how do I draw the kingdom of God into everything I do? You look and pray that the rule and reign of Christ will be in everything you do. So you're you're thinking, God, how can I bring your reign and your rule into every situation that I touch? That's how you bring the kingdom of God into everything. That's how you do it. But the word seek is important because behind that word seek is seek with a motive. It's not seek with a compliance. It's like, not like, well, the pastor says it's so I've got to do it. Or my boss said it's so I've got to do it. Seeking is hunger. It's I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna find that thing. The parables in the New Testament, you know, there's over hundred times the kingdom is referenced in the New Testament. You know, it's around the same number of times that the, the church, the ecclesia is referenced. The kingdom is referenced. It's a really important, huge part. It's a central part of the message of Christ. Now, in the kingdom is what is love, what is grace, what is mercy, what is righteousness, what is truth. All of that stuff comes into the kingdom. But the kingdom is a very real place. It's a very real entity. It's a very real um, part of what God is talking to us about. Seek that kingdom to find it. You're seeking to find it. So you're looking, looking for that pearl of great price. Sounds like a parable, doesn't it? You're seeking what really is worth finding. So it's, it's, when you seek, it's with a, a hunger to get that thing that you won't get if you don't find it. That's what it is. But to seek is also to crave after. Who was craving anything this week during the fast? Anybody? Chocolate? Got ya. <laughs> Cheese? Yep, got ya. Some people were craving pizza. Rob Thomas said to me, pizza. I'm just so looking forward to Pizza. There are four times a year I have the, an extra large lamb sheesh. It's always at the end of the prayer and fast. <laughs> and I phone them and I say, extra chili. I love it. That kebab is nectar. <laughs> it is the thing. I'm making you hungry. I'm making me hungry. But I love jollof rice. Anybody else like jollof rice? Come on. Who likes it extra hot? Yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm making you all hungry now, aren't I? I am. Uh, that's oh, I just love it. Get that chili in there. Get that garlic in there. <laughs> this, this is so bad, but but it's a craving, isn't it? It's a crazy craving. Maybe maybe you've got other cravings that you shouldn't have. But you know what a craving is? It's when I need to get that. That's gonna make that's. I'm not looking for watermelon. I'm telling you, I'm not looking for lettuce. I'm not. I'm not even looking for potatoes. I'm I, I'm looking for jollof rice. <laughs> Right. I'm looking for the stuff that leaves a flavor in your mouth and causes a rumble in your stomach. (laughs) Praise God. I had no rumbles in my stomach. God got me through that. So that's a craving. Seek to find or crave after. That's it. And what you do is you don't allow the, the stresses of life to get to the top of the list. You know, sometimes when we do that, we find it really hard to be righteous because all the other stuff comes to the top of the list. If you've got your list and you get the kingdom of God at the top of your list, you won't even begin to worry about being righteous because you'll get everything in order. Now, we've got to worry about it in a sense. Not worry. Worry is the wrong word. We've got to be aware of it. We've got to be righteous in what we do. But it becomes easier because we're focused on God's kingdom. And so what happens? We get everything in focus. We get it lined up. And then the stuff that Shaggin talked about in the offering, the miracles start to happen. And it's true. It does happen that way. It is incredible how it happens. So why reveal the kingdom? There's another side to this. The kingdom of God is material in the end of the earth. Did you know that? It's an absolute trigger point. God uses very little in scripture to define certain changes in the history of humanity. And the kingdom of God is directly in that future. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Do you see that? So between the cross and Jesus fulfilling the Father's call, did he want to go to the cross? He endured the cross. Why did he endure the cross? Because he loved us and he wanted to get us into his kingdom. The whole world, that was his motive. And he went through that to get us the opportunity to enter his kingdom. That's what it was all about. But when the whole world has had the opportunity of getting the access to the kingdom, then the end will come. But let's look at the stark reality if that's going to happen, did you know um, there's over 17,000 people groups in the world? Tribes, nations, tongues, etc. There's 7,100 unreached people groups in the world. They represent 41% of the planet, 3.1 billion people are still to be reached. Right? That's, that's huge. But I'm telling you, things are accelerating. It's accelerating. This is not like it was 100 years ago. We've got social media. We've got the internet. We've got mobility, awareness. The world is a much smaller place and people are far more mobile. Let me tell you this. There are millions of people going into mission around the world and a lot of them are coming from previously unreached people groups and they are evangelising the world. Our call is to reveal the kingdom. And when that has happened fully in God's plan, then the end will come. That's huge. An unreached people group is less than... 2% 2% evangelical or less than 5% five professing, professing Christians in the country. That's way higher than I thought it was going to be. But if I tell you we work in Macedonia, it's 0.1% believer. You know, so that shows you why. Sometimes it's hard in these countries to, to, to persevere because you don't see the results like you do in other countries. But when God breaks through, revival kicks in. I'm telling you, moves of God kick in. Because God wants to reveal His kingdom. And we're part of that plan. So how to reveal God's kingdom? I'm going to use a bit of Old Testament here. Because because God's kingdom was thought of before the creation of the world. You know that. And His plan was to get us into it. His plan was to restore humanity to to God's kingdom. And to give everyone the opportunity to enter it. But it, it comes when we choose to put our trust in Christ. But I'm going to use an Old Testament picture to show you the principles of the kingdom. Judges 6, uh, verses 5, and then jumping to verses 12. But before I get into it, I just want to give you the backstory. This is a story of Gideon. Israel had done wrong in God's eyes. They'd sinned. They'd done bad stuff. They'd been worshipping false gods. And God said, right, for seven years, the Midianites are going to run this place. And so the community, the life, everything about Israel was dominated by the Midianites. And the Midianites were the enemy. And God said, I'm just going to step back and let the enemy come in. What happened? They absolutely pillaged Israel. They totally ravaged the place. They got in there, they stripped it bare, they took whatever they wanted, they took all the food. The Bible talks about it being like locusts, and we'll, we'll read it in a moment. But they got in. That's what the enemy does. Don't mess around with the enemy. Don't play fast and loose with your Christian faith and say, "Oh, it's okay, I'll, I'll step over the line. It doesn't matter. I can just step into wilderness for a few minutes and then I'll step back. It doesn't work like that. This enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not out to give you a good time. He's out to kill you, right? So if we don't realize that, when we step out of the principles of the kingdom of God, we step right into the principles of hell. That's what we do. That's what you do. That's, what we, that's the danger of messing around we're stepping in and out of principles around God's kingdom. right? It says So Gideon's in this context. And what's he doing? He's, he's at the bottom of a wine press hiding grain because he knows the locusts will come and eat it. The enemy's going to come and take whatever it can off him. And he's hiding it. You know, Israel, it says that the people were hiding in caves. They were hiding in mountains. They were hiding in little strongholds. They were hiding. They had lost all their identity. That's what happens when the enemy gets in. It sounds like society, doesn't it? It will rip to shreds all the things that are important to God. It will try and consume and devour, take lives, kill indiscriminately. When the enemy gets in, he will destroy everything he touches and take away everything from people who trust God, if he can get in. So it says in verse 5, These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, so numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. That's what the enemy's going to do. You can't mess around with the enemy. You've got to do what God wants. Get the kingdom of God at the top of your list. And in all this, with Gideon down in his wine press, suddenly the, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. How does that work? He was not wearing his Superman suit, let me tell you. He was, you will read it in a moment. He was a guy who was really caught into a difficult situation. God saw his future. God saw who he could become. God saw what was in him that he could do something with. God saw, it. God saw the hero in you and me. He sees it. He sees it, Ben. He sees it, Alex. He sees it, Norman. He sees it, Shegan. He sees it. Bree. He sees it. God sees Nee, He sees it. He sees the hero in you. He sees it, Leslie. He sees it, Willa June even though you're cutting some moves that were kind of weird. Right, he sees the mighty hero. It's not just a hero, it's a mighty hero. He sees it, and he wants to get it released. He wants to get it released. So how to reveal God's kingdom? Trust God's guidance. Judges 6, 13 says, it goes on to say, Sir, Gideon said, or replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but... Now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You see, there's plenty of reasons why you can get out of the the game. You can can say, my life's too tough. I'm in this mess. God, you weren't there. I haven't seen the miracles for a long time. They used to happen, but I don't see them right now. You know, I'm a Pentecostal. How come you haven't healed me? We find reasons not to do what God wants us to do. We find reasons to not do the right thing. We find reasons to criticize. We find reasons not to love the church. We find reasons. We give ourselves excuses. And what's going on here is that God is just letting that come out of Gideon because he knows there's disappointment there. He knows there's problems that need overcoming. And every one of us are in that position where there are disappointments. Show me someone who's never had a disappointment. They haven't lived. We've all had disappointments. We've all been taken to the edge of not being able to cope with life. We've all been taken to the edge of Can I get through this next thing? That's why the body of Christ is called to love one another, to build each other up. Because the enemy is going to destroy everything about the kingdom of God if he can. And he's going to start with the church because the church is the primary vehicle for the kingdom of God. It is. That's what's going on here. So God wants to build confidence. And he doesn't mind if you've got a whingy moment, but just don't stay the whinger. See the mighty hero that God wants to draw out. Judges 6, 14 to 15, how to reveal God's kingdom. Trust God's strength. Trust his strength. Verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Winger. <laughs> he's just moaning. you know, But he's probably true. It's probably true. It probably is true. But he's seeing truth and allowing that immediate vision of his own eyes and his experience to define him. And God's not defining him like that. He says, go with the strength you have. He doesn't say, go get somebody else's strength. Go to Bible college first. He's not saying that. He's saying, go with the strength you have and make a difference. Go with the strength. Because God doesn't want to use his strength. He wants to use his own strength. And if you and I try and define the future by our own strength, you're on a long and tiring road into a brick wall because it's never going to happen. God is not going to use your strength. He's going to use his strength, but us following and being led by him. That's it. That's why the kingdom's so important, so that we can draw people in, the strength you have. And what is this? I am sending you to do it. He could have done it himself. But he's sending us. And that is what God does. He sends us, no matter who we are, He sends us where we are. He's in a wine press hiding grain. He wasn't in the church building. He wasn't in a synagogue because they, they were just not happening. He wasn't in the place of worship. He was in a wine press hiding grain. God will touch you where you are and change the situation. But it's got to happen. You've got to hear and you've got to respond. He's got to be willing. But I am the least in my entire family in the smallest tribe. It doesn't matter because it's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him getting hold of our lives and shaping them, reshaping them into the very, very thing that he can see has got the ability to make this hero work in us. So Judges 6.16, how to reveal God's kingdom? Trust in his power. It's, it's not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse 16, the Lord said to him, that wasn't a quote from Judges, by the way, I was just dropping that extra one in. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So God has just removed the hordes like locusts to one man. He said, you just got to deal with the one. you just got, you got to just deal one-on-one. We can all do a one-on-one with someone, can't we? We can all handle a one-on-one but sometimes the problem looks so big that we say, I just can't, can't engage. I can't, I can't do this. I, I'm not capable. I haven't got... How am I going to do that? Jesus, now I'm going to make this whole thing, this monster that's in front of you, like dealing with one man. It's like fighting against one man. You know what God did? I, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it's brilliant. You should study it in your life groups in this coming week or two, or after Easter maybe. How to reveal God's kingdom, trusting God's power. You know, Gideon, it says the spirit of God came on Gideon. He sent a message out to the tribes and uh, he blew a ram's horn and 32,000 men were were gathered. Well, what's 32,000 compared to this horde? Not a lot. Um, And God sort of looked at that and said, well, I don't want you to think you've done it by yourself, so I'm going to reduce the number a little bit. Um, Tell those who don't feel confident and don't want to fight and they're a bit afraid to go home. So 20,000 went home, right? So... um, Something like, yeah, so I think it left 10 or 12,000 anyway. So God said, No, that's still too many. Um, go down to the brook, take some water, and just choose. I'll I'll thin it out a little. So God's thinning it all out why? Because God wants to be seen to be the one who gets things done. And so, of course, you know the story, it was only the men who cupped the water to their mouths, not who lapped it from the brook itself. That God said, They're the ones. So that's the 300. So 300 men against the horde that sounds incredible. How's that possible? Do you remember last week when we talked about Love the Church? How many people, regular attendees, partners, and the wider, how many people in BCC right now? Do you remember the numbers that Rob put up? 500. What could we do? What's the potential? It's massive. It's huge. It's massive. 300 men on a hillside, and they looked at the enemy in the valley below. And if you read the text, it says they looked like a multitude. In fact, it says that the camels looked, there were as many as specks of sand on the seashore. That's the camels. And they had their tents, they had all this other stuff. They were just like swarms of locusts, it says. And there was a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people. And you know what? They defeated the whole lot, the 300. God's um, Gideon separated them into three groups of 300, 100 each. And you know what he ended up doing? He, they took a sword, they took a trumpet, and they took a, a pot, a clay pot. And what was inside the clay pot? It was a light. And they went, I'm cutting the whole story short, they went down into that camp and they blew those trumpets. And the men shouted out and they broke the clay jars. And what was underneath it? Lights. When we go into the enemy camp, we're taking the light of the truth of Jesus Christ. And what's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? And what's the trumpet? It's letting people know you're there. We are invisible in the marketplace at times. We're invisible in community at times. We've got to take the light, the Word of God, and we've got to make the right noise to let the enemy know where we are. We've got to do it. That's our call. That reveals the, the power of the kingdom of God. And what could God do through us? We we'll jump now into the New Testament. You see, God has got all this ready for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 20-21. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. His invitation, that's what the Greek means, through us. He's choosing to do it through us, through you and me. The ambassadors. The ambassadors only speak for the king. They don't speak for themselves. They speak for the king. They use the language of the king and they don't add to it. They don't take away. They just bring the truth. They bring the reality. They bring the right information. And ambassadors are always sent into another kingdom. Do you know that? And they become, If you look online, ambassadors are required to know all about the other kingdom that they live in. They're, they're supposed to be experts at understanding what's happening so they can feed back to the king. But they speak only what the king lets them speak and they speak his knowledge and his truth. You know, when I first, my first full-time job, I worked in a, a company in London, and I, I kind of didn't want to do it, but I felt God opened that door. I prayed a lot, and it was a diamond company called De Beers, um, and it was the central selling organization, which is where at that point, I think about 80 or 90 percent of the world's diamonds were sold through London, and I thought, this is, just feels like the wrong place, but But maybe it's the right place. So I prayed a lot. I used to find places to go and pray at lunchtimes. I said, God, is it possible that your kingdom could emerge in this place? And I thought, well, I'm the only Christian I know here. So I'll pray. God, show me. I found And then the people there said, oh, there's a couple of other Christians. Did you know that? I found a couple of other Christians. And I thought, well, I'll gather them together and we'll pray. We just pray for the work. We pray. We just pray. You know, you can't go wrong praying. We just pray. So I got these two guys together, a lot older than me. they were lacking, they, wanted, they needed encouraging, really, I suppose. There were things that were troubling them in their life. Anyway, we got together. The company said, Oh, you know, I said, C- Can we, can we um, have a room to meet? And they said, Oh, we don't, we don't want a union forming. I said, It's not a union, it's a gathering of Christian believers. Anyway, they said yes. In the end, everybody we worked with knew we were believers. My boss knew we were believers. We told him we were praying for them. It wasn't arrogant, it wasn't pious, it was none of that. It was caring, loving, trusting. And, and in the end, God just did amazing things through us, influenced the workplace. You know what? Those guys were in another church, and their youth started connecting with our youth. That church started connecting to this church. The numbers swelled. People started coming to faith. We ended up having two churches collaborating on outreaches and functions. And, uh, my good friend, Kevin Frost, who comes here from time to time, he came over as a, as a young guy, and he just started fellowshipping with us. And he's, Anyway, if you know Kev, you know he's a world-class Session player and musician, and some of what he learned was in a band in this church. But God does amazing things, and people started coming to faith all because of making sure the kingdom was number one, otherwise, we miss it and all that stuff disappears. But look at this for why does God want to work through us? Because the God made Christ, verse 21, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is hugely theological, it's the gospel of the atonement of Christ. It's that divine exchange. It's justification. Jesus takes on your failing and my failing, your sin, my sin. He takes it on himself and it's as if you never did anything wrong and he presents you to God and that's how how it works. But the only way to know that relationship is to say, I want to trust in Jesus Christ. I want him to be my saviour and Lord. And you know what you actually are doing? You're stepping into His kingdom. That's what you're doing. You're stepping out of darkness into light. It's actually moving into His kingdom. And that was what Jesus always planned, that we would enter His kingdom and understand the power of His kingdom and enable others to come through the narrow gate into His kingdom. What could God do through us? Well, Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, huge organisation. You know, Bill Bright, there's now... I believe it's 25,000 missionaries full-time in the world through Campus Crusader. What was it? It's changed its name since. But they talked about the spheres of influence in society. They just read Scripture and thought, well, this could be relevant. I want to share that with us this morning. That, you know, society's got so many areas of expertise in it, and they're, they're almost like kingdoms, but we're in these places. What difference could we make if we thought about things like this? Could we take the kingdom of God into news and media? Could we do it? Could we, what do we know about news and media, social media? Are you someone who's in that world? Is your light shining? Have you got your sword? Have you got your trumpet? Have you got your light shining? Is, is it happening? What could we do? What could we do in, in the space where people communicate, in that communication, social media, news space, education? We've got loads of teachers here. Um, what could happen in our schools? The youth are wanting to expand their reach into schools. They're already one and a half schools have opened up now. But could we make it five? Could we make it ten? Could we? You know, a friend of mine, Paddy, lives in Norwich, and he is invi- he's overwhelmed with the invitations to go into schools and mentor young men in schools as a Christian full-time pastor. He is paid to go into the schools and tell them about Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Because his language and his message is critical for young men of this generation who have fathers all over the place, who don't know what it is to get their identity sorted out, to work on who they are, to live truth and to trust God. And he's actually paid by schools to go in and change the way these young men think. Why could we not do that? What opportunities are in front of us at all levels, even at university? Government and law. My friend Colin Bloom leads the Wilberforce Alliance, it is, Wilberforce Alliance. Um, And he says the least reached part of society is government, law, and politics. Because people think it's a messy business. It is, but look what's going on right now. What a mess in Parliament. You know, what about governance in local schools? What about sitting as a councillor? What about opening the opportunity to debate in public about things we don't like, rather than just talking about it? Um, health and family. We've got loads of doctors in the church. We've got healthy families in the church. But what's going on? How how can we relate? It's brilliant what Pebbles are doing. And the ark, the ark, the potential in the ark, they're over, well, they're fully booked now. That's why they need more teaching staff. They're fully booked up as we go into the next term. But could we multiply the ark? Could we have two arks or three arks? What could we do? Change and influence. Business and industry. Shekin was a brilliant example earlier about, about influencing in the the workplace, arts and entertainment and sports, what could we do? Do we have access? Yes, we do. Could we just take the kingdom with us? You see, Gideon was in situ. It can't come from this platform. It has to come up from within us where we are. Rise up. Get the light out. Church and religion. People are very dissatisfied with religion, let me tell you. People are very spiritually minded. They want to understand truth and they're open to talk about it. People want to understand the truth of who God is. We've got a massive opportunity. We cannot stay the same. We must not stay the same. We have got to change who we are. We must become dissatisfied as a church. We've got so much to reach. Bromley, 329,400 people as of 2017. 90% unclear, 90% uncertain, 90% unsaved. Right on our doorstep. We've got access to Macedonia, pretty much an unreached people group. India, Rwanda, Lebanon. The first Lebanese team to go to Lebanon is going on the 13th of May. Flights are booked to get in there and start opening up what God's got to do with us and do with them. Isn't it exciting? What could God do with us? Love is we could take a leaflet and invite one person. Is it too much to ask? (laughs) We could do that. Do the survey. Draw people in. The only thing worse than hate is indifference. That's incredible, isn't it? And We hate hate, but indifference? We've got to take ownership. What could we do? It's amazing what God has got prepared. This is a brilliant church. We've got so much opportunity. Brilliant people. You've been called in. You've been drawn in. God's got you here for a reason. It's not to just fill seats. It's to be ambassadors in his kingdom. And we've got to figure out how we do that well where to focus our limited resource. We've got to work that through. But God has given us a great opportunity. Band, join me. We're going to have our final song in the morning and then we're going to close. But isn't it amazing what God could do with us? We've got to reshape, reshape to reveal the kingdom of God. If we do that, we're doing exactly what Jesus came to this earth to do. We've got a brilliant message and the people out there want it. They need it and they want to know the truth because the truth is what's going to set them free. And it's in our hands, it's in our opportunities, it's in our space, it's in our ability to do that. And you don't have to be the strongest person in the world. Where you are, who you are, God can do it. Let's stand. We're going to let the guys lead us in a a song to reflect on this. Reflect on what we thought about this morning.